Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, it's job done for England as they beat Senegal to reach the last eight at the World Cup. We'll talk about a brilliant performance from Bellingham, goals for Kane as well, and how we can possibly stop Kylian Mbappe after he inspired France to a place in the last eight thanks to victory over Poland. We'll talk about Robert Lewandowski's last kick at the World Cup and whether the first goal really matters in a game. This is the game. Hello and welcome back to the Game Podcast. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Alison Rudd, Tom Clark, and Gregor Robertson. Full house to discuss England progressing to the quarterfinals at the World Cup with a pretty comfortable 3-0 win over Senegal, dare I say it, at least on the scoreline, it was job done. Uh, we saw some pretty good performances out there from the likes of Jude Bellingham, Phil Foden, Harry Kane scoring from open play as well. And really, it was a very good night on the field for England. The only thing that tinges the result is the sad news that Raheem Sterling has gone back to the United Kingdom. His family have obviously had their home broken into. He wants to check on them. He may or may not return to the England camp. We will probably discuss that when that news is confirmed either way, but we wish Raheem Sterling and his family well. Without him, as I say, England got the job done. What I found weird, Alison Rudd, was when it was nil-nil, I don't know, 40 minutes gone, the amount of England fans complaining using the word boring. Were England boring? In the piece what I wrote, Hugh, I suggested what an efficient way of getting a victory to have a spurt of sublime energy in the middle of the game, but to be bookmarked by complete casualness, actually, on either either end of it. I mean, you know, it's... I actually felt it was coming, partly because I was really pleased with the shape and the lineup of the team. I have absolutely no idea if Gareth Southgate listens. He says he doesn't, listens to all the voices that tell him what he should and shouldn't do. But in a spooky way, maybe maybe it gets through to him in his sleep somehow. Maybe when he is fast asleep, they play recordings of the game podcast to him and other outlets because you are supposed to hear hear things through your sleep and act on them. But it was a, it was a really sensible lineup and uh, if you step back and stop thinking of it as England, if it was another country, you, I think we would be praising how clever this was because they didn't, England didn't do very much. It was as if they were adjusting to the physicality of, of Senegal, um, the press, the energy they had. They, they weren't full of any fear at all, even though England were favourites. And I think 
obviously this is a hindsight point, but genuinely when I was watching it, I didn't feel that it was a, a disaster in the making. That's what you're supposed to do when it gets to the knockout stages. You're supposed to ease your way into a contest. And sure enough, just as Senegal started to feel like, I don't know, maybe some sense of real optimism that, you know, they'd missed a couple of chances, this could be theirs, England just burst into life and really were, were, you know, put put their foot on the throttle with it. They really went for the jugular when they had the ascendancy and then they took it off again. I mean, the end of the game was almost as ugly as the beginning, not quite, obviously, because it was a particularly ugly beginning, but I don't... I, I, for once, did not think, oh, what a mess. Oh, this is terrible. They've underestimated Senegal. Actually, I think they did the right thing and learned how to handle them. And then to be able to grow in confidence while a match is underway, that is that is the sign of um, a mature group of players. God, we're negative on this podcast. Is it up to the Scottish lad to kind of say, you're on... You you just won three 0 and you're in the quarterfinal. I was of the very World Cup. upbeat then. <laughs> sorry, I that was positive. I must have been. I that was positive. <laughs> no, sorry. You said you're saying you're used to it being kind of oh this isn't too disastrous. I mean yeah look you had a really sticky opening first half an hour self-inflicted more than anything I think although actually watching that, I was think there was kind of echoes of the USA Netherlands game and that for me and that the Netherlands sat off and said to the USA's two centre halves, what are you going to do with the ball? And Harry Maguire and John Stones were equally as flummoxed as uh, the US centre halves were. So, as I say, you get given the ball away and they created, you could have been 2-0 down. But that happens. That's going to happen. You're in the knockout stage of a World Cup. And then from then on, I watched this and I was thinking more and more over the last few days we've been saying that individuals could win, you know, could essentially win the World Cup for a nation. Obviously, Messi, Mbappe could be... Neymar for Brazil. I honestly think, and I hope you don't think this is too, you know, hyperbole, but Jude Bellingham could be that guy for you. And it'd be in a very different way. It's not, it wouldn't be as flashy. It wouldn't be as electric. It wouldn't be perhaps scoring a goal. But he runs all over the opposition. And it could be that he's creating the goals and he's just, his desire and his attitude and all those things just push England forward. And who knows how far that can go. If he's at his best, if he's like he was for vast ways of the game tonight, crikey, you've got a chance. I think the chirpy chappy Scott is forgetting that I'm on the podcast, Mr. Gareth. <laughs> I got one first. Come on. I mean, honestly, I was sat there thinking, give me a chance, mate. Come on. Come on. If you hadn't jumped in with your own prediction that Jude Bellingham was going to guide England to a World Cup triumph, what I was going to say was 12 goals scored, two conceded, eight different goal scorers. And Jordan Pickford got a little bit of a test tonight. You know, he showed he could make a few saves, Super Jordan, of course. So everyone's been in the mix. Gareth Southgate even won Alison Rudd round with his team selection and the, the performance. I, 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 should we say it? We might. We could win the World Cup, lads. We could actually do it. I almost thought that myself when I was watching Argentina. I thought, we'll give these a good game. We, we might even beat Argentina. And then Messi got on the ball. And I was like, OK, right, we can beat 10 of them. But there's him, that one player that Greg was maybe fine. Stick, De- stick Declan Rice on him, stick Carl Walker on that <laughs> Mbappe bloke. We're going to be absolutely fine. But the other, so the thing is, and a lot of people are saying this on social media, and Alison, I think you were alluding to this point, is that if we as English fans, and this goes buys into Gregor's point about our slightly negative uh, way of looking at things, 
if we were looking at a team like England who had progressed to the quarterfinals in the manner that England have, with the strength in depth that England have, watching players come off the bench, like Jack Grealish, who seems to be just a, a bit part player coming off the bench, we'd be going, my God, they look pretty good. Like, fine, bit bit wobbly at the back at times, but they look pretty solid. And Jesus Christ, they've got that young guy in midfield. Bloody hell, he looks amazing, doesn't he? Like, that, that is the other factor. And I do think as well, Harry Kane scored tonight. I think his finish was very much of a man that said, right, shut up the lot of you who said I can't score. Bang, straight in the back of the net. But the fact that we're scoring goals from across the pitch, Jordan Henderson, who would have thought we'd be talking about a Jordan Henderson left-footed, sweeped, swept finish into the bottom of the goal at the end of a beautiful team move at this World Cup? No one would have predicted that, apart from me and Gareth Southgate, of course. Yeah, you, you took it way too far the other way, Tom. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's miserable and there's, uh, you know, that was just over the top. All right, England are a decent side. But you, my friend, know that at least I, if it were another nation, wouldn't be saying this team's going to do amazing things, strength and depth, all of that stuff, because I know where the game's won and lost, and England don't keep that. And this is nothing to do with tonight, but just in terms of their wider chances, that midfield possession, you know, England do have to have a dynamic midfield that, that runs all over the pitch. Why do they need that? Because they can't control and dominate possession in the way that other countries can. Their midfielders go on a little jog around midfield. They don't have to run all over the place, making tackles, chasing balls down the channels and all that stuff and trying to make things happen. They don't have to do that because they just sit past the ball comfortably and control the tempo, control the opposition players in terms of their positioning. That's a high level. Always that's win. Okay. That doesn't win you games. They are now. That doesn't win you games. We've got to the quarterfinals now and boring old Mr. Pragmatic Gareth Southgate, this is what we've all been waiting for. No, but listen, we've all oh, no, the fact that we can't maybe control games. We've, we've done the hard bit. We've beaten the teams who've sat in the low block. We've beaten the teams who press us. Now we get super Gareth Southgate. Bring the back five out, Gareth. Come on, let's have it. Let's show what we're really all about. No, the back five is definitely coming out against France, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Listen, I wanted to talk about Bellingham. Again, the point that I made about the midfield was nothing to do with tonight's performance. I think England played very well. I think um, they need to send a message to the fans, the ones that call them boring, that this is a tournament. It's a game-by-game -game knockout stage. And ultimately, they do what they need to do to get the job done. And I, I, I want to give them as much credit as possible for doing that tonight because Senegal, with that, that early impetus, could have gone ahead. Had they done that, I think it could have been a trickier night. I think England, I was going to say, rode the storm. There wasn't really a storm. There may have been a, a five-minute shower, passing shower, but that was about it. But I think England did enough to control the game against Senegal. Obviously, we know there's a, a much bigger test to come. And when I mention the control of the midfield, I'm just talking about genuinely in my heart of hearts, if I was to feel this team was going to win the World Cup, that that's what I would need to see. But that is very much a side point this evening after the 3-0 win over Senegal. I wanted to ask you what Bellingham is. You know, we all lauded him. But I was having conversations during the, uh, during the game. He's such a good player. And I kind of think, oh, could he be our Luka Modric? Could he be our, I don't know, you know, a player, our Pirlo, someone that sets the tempo for our midfield, this thing that I'm looking for. Then you see him sort of marauding and you think, wow, what a brilliant box-to-box -box player, incredible athlete, vision, ability. You see the way that he links, sets Foden away, who then assists for the Kane goal, you know, the, the assist he got himself due Bellingham. You think, wow, that's what I want him to do, just cover the grass. Then you think, 
you know, could this guy be a box-to-box midfielder? Could he be a number 10, a creator? Could he do that number four role that we think about sitting a little bit deeper alongside Declan Rice? Maybe that will be his role next time out. Because that's the thing. If we go to a back five, what we asked Jude Bellingham to do will change. So... What is he? Does it matter at this stage? What do you think, Alison? Oh, he, remind, he reminds me of Charlie Adam at his best, if you're trying to think of a player he looks like. Oh, looks get her like. off. Get her off. No, 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 no. Get her off. Jinking, Someone the jinking. This. Quick, John, John, the kill jinking, the link quick. The jinking juggernaut that was Charlie Adam at his oh, very no. best oh. is what Duke Bellingham has. And he has, <laughs> and he has a lot else as well, obviously. But I think... If we're going to start trying to pigeonhole him, that would be a disaster. What I think is the cleverest thing that Southgate has done is he's brought in Jordan Henderson, who A, has a very good relationship with Bellingham and they trust each other and he acts as a mentor to him. And secondly, I think Henderson brings an intelligence to the midfield so that if you were to watch him and only him in the game, you would notice how his positioning is such that he's doing it to make sure there's space for Bellingham to run into. He's offering an out and he's asking a question of the defence so that, that there is more, so they come to him, so there is space for Bellingham. What It's quite an unselfish role. And it's not, he's not, Henderson is not Luka Modric at his prime. He's Nora Perlow. But we, we, given that we don't have that, and that isn't really English football, what what we have is a different version of that sort of midfield where there is intelligence. And it's, I think the nicest thing about it is the selflessness of it. And that made the Henderson goal all the more lovely because I think he'd have been just as happy if he hadn't scored and, and it had been the other way around and he created the space for Bellingham to have scored. Let's allow that nurturing relationship to keep flourishing because that's what will fill the vacuum of not having somebody who can control the midfield through their just sheer beauty of, of their football. We don't have that. Don't yearn for it. It's not there, but we have something that I think can compensate. The Bellingham to Liverpool bandwagon is really ratcheting up, isn't it? That was, it was, it was, it wasn't subtle that Alison, I've got to say, oh, they're such, you know, they get on so well. You can see he looks up to him. All true, of course, but you know, let's put that on the side for a second. Listen, listen, I'm loving, I'm loving when the, the the Jurgen Klopp sits down with the board and they try and discuss the transfer for Jude Bellingham. And they say, "We've got a plan for you. We want you to be like this lad we bought from Blackpool a few years back, Charlie Adam." <laughs> it never quite <laughs> worked out see. for him, but <laughs> but Bellingham, um, I think. Look, he capped a, a, I think, a very good performance from England. Phil Foden was very good as well. He, he got the nod to start ahead of Marcus Rashford. He got two assists in a knockout game. He's the youngest player to do that since the great Brazilian Ronaldo back in 1998 against Denmark. So he's now in illustrious company. Um, but I think he showed tonight that that final ball, even though he almost cocked it up for Kane's goal because it, it hit the defender and dropped very nicely for Harry Kane, it almost skewered off to the goalkeeper. But ultimately, Gregor, you, you disagree with me, do you? I'm just kind of frowning at the idea that Foden, is, you know, he's going getting that claiming that piece of history when really Bellingham should have had. He played the far bigger part and two goals. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that that, that's true. what we've said this many times. That kind of makes a bit of a mockery of that that statistic because Bellingham for the for the for Kane's goal, the way first of all he won the ball back as he always does, then he he kept running with it when everyone was saying pass, pass, pass. He didn't, and he kind of went. 
I think he went past another player and then he and then he made the pass and it just bought a little bit more time for Fodan and a bit more time for Kane. It's like he's, he's incredible. It's his attitude more than anything, though. Like uh, we could talk about everything about you know every attribute a footballer has, but he's got something special between his ears. I think it's like I know everyone says it's like massive cliche now. You're kind of getting bored of everyone going. He's he's 19 years old, but like <laughs> it is remarkable what he's doing and the way he's just grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and you saw him in, and you know Alice's point about Henderson although there might have been some Liverpool uh, agenda in it there was <laughs> it was true I mean look at the way they celebrated they were like head to head kind of like you know stern faces kind of saying yes yeah, yes yeah, yeah. And, and saw Henderson so it's kind of lip read, lip read him going I effing loved that you know like <laughs> so there is something about you know that they share but he's got so much more. I'm not. That's not to kind of uh, downplay what Henderson has technically. In fact, Bellingham said in his interview afterwards he deserves a lot more respect. He thinks Henderson, but Bellingham has something else. He's, you know, yes, he's not. He's not a kind of Spanish or Italian midfield controlling player, but he's got a bit of everything else, and he can play in any other role, like holding role. I've, as I said, when I've when he, I was watching him at Bur- when he was at Birmingham, that was a question you always ask people. Where's he? Where's he going to end up playing? And everyone just kept reeling off. You know, he could play wide and be someone who comes in. He could be the number ten. He could be the holding player. He can be them all. We've seen it. We didn't think he would be the, the more advanced player in midfield, the number ten kind of slash eight point five, and he is, and he's doing it brilliantly. So you've got an absolute gem in your hands there. The thing we're coming back to is freedom, isn't it? And, and Gregor was touching on it there. You know. I think the question about what he is and what he can be will come when he makes his multi-million pound move to Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp gets to mould him into the player of the future. But for now, in this tournament, he needs to just be Jude Bellingham, 19 years old. Oh my God, look at this guy. And I think that's what Southgate's realised by putting Henderson in the team alongside Rice because it gives Bellingham that freedom. Perhaps that's what he learned from the USA game because I can't think of, you know, I've not seen all that many tournaments that England have played, but Going back to, I don't, I can't remember since Wayne Rooney burst on the scene at the Euros, where there was a player that was just playing with freedom, creativity, and confidence, and you could see each team, opposition team that they came up against, going, "Christ, we're going to have to work out a plan to stop this guy," every single time. And I've not, England have been great at tournaments previously, but he is the thing that, to me, is taking England away from their rigidity and the pragmatism. And so, park the conversation about what Jude Bellingham is for now. Just let him be free to destroy opposition teams. Plenty still to discuss when it comes to England. We'll talk about the three clean sheets, Harry Kane getting that goal as well. Um, But we finally received our On The Whistle report from Mr Tom Roddy, who's been very, very busy. Okay, after that game, lots to write about, of course. He's just left the stadium. Here's what he has to say. This was a really comprehensive scoreline for England, 3-0, and it, it looked like a little bit of a sort of whimper from Senegal in the way they they went out. But really got to remember that this is a Senegal who didn't have Sadio Mane and actually had some really good chances early on. Uh, Ismail Sarr uh, offered, offered uh, Carl Walker Walker, a, a, a warm-up really for facing Kylian Mbappe on Saturday when England play France in the World Cup quarterfinals. Um, and it, it, 
was a really, it was an impressive performance from England, but they've only just got through to the, the, the quarterfinals of the World Cup again and after Russia four years ago. And obviously a lot of people expect them to go out to France. That, that will be the big hurdle that they face here in Qatar. And probably the early the early issues that they had facing Ishmael Assar will be a worry to Gareth Southgate after what happened, what what could happen with Kylian Mbappe last uh, next week after seeing what he has done against teams at this tournament and the quality that France have. Plus, their defence is likely to be a lot tougher than Senegal's was. Kalidou Koulibaly at the back was, he, he looked 31 years, years old today and he looked like the most experienced player. When Senegal had England, uh, when they were facing England, they were they were fine when they were facing their own goal and caught in possession. They were, uh, they were, they went to pieces really. But it was a positive performance for Southgate side. So another really, really good night for Jude Bellingham. There's a there's a blossoming relationship that he has with Jordan Henderson in midfield, and and who really expected Jordan Henderson to be the, the, the such a, an integral role on the field at this World Cup? But this the the way in which Southgate has approached these games in the 4-1-4-1 formation tonight really suited them playing against Senegal. The the temptation ahead of Saturday against France will be whether he decides to switch back to a back three and put Mbappe against Walker and then have that protection of, of the wing backs and bring Trippier back in. But it, it's it's worked against lesser opposition, this back four, but he, w- he will have to consider going to a back four back three uh, the the other big positive of, of the night is that Harry Kane is off the mark scoring uh, it, it seemed like an inevitability like in Russia four years ago it, 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 it could be the knockout stages where his, his glut of goals comes from but it's a really positive step for England one thing that I think is interesting from what Tom mentioned there is obviously he's thinking ahead to the battles with Mbappe and things like that and Ismail Assar giving Kyle Walker a bit of a test but I thought it was interesting the Bukayo Saka selection for England in front of Walker and I half wondered whether that was Southgate potentially not being too cocky but potentially thinking ahead to France in that for me Saka on the right in front of Kyle Walker is the best defensive option because one of the great strengths for France as well as Mbappe has been Hernandez outside him overlapping and I think whoever plays for England in that right forward position will have a huge responsibility even if they play a back back five with wingbacks will have a huge responsibility in trying to stop Theo Hernandez who's been one of the players of the tournament so I think I take Tom's point that it's interesting that maybe we learned some things going forward but I also think Southgate was trying some things out as well thinking about the potential for, for, for facing France if they got past Senegal well he was definitely he? definitely thinking ahead with the selection of Kyle Walker because actually there were there were moments when I felt oh you know Kyle Walker needed needed the minutes on the pitch tonight. It, it, there were a few moments we didn't look quite, you know, it looked like an, an engine that needed a bit longer to run in the garage before it was let loose. And I think it will have done him a lot of good to have 
sort of, I don't know, he just didn't look quite as pacey as, as we know he can be, but maybe maybe it's all been cleverly, you know, algorithmed and he would he would peak to cope with Mbappe. It's not like some little sidebar this. This is a huge thing, what you do against Mbappe, isn't it? And I, I think the whole conversations between now and when we face France will be, what's the best way? Is it to go five at the back or stick with four? I would suggest you stick with four. A, because it's worked so well so far. It looks um, like you're seeding, seeding ground in mind games. If you change your formation for France, you're sort of saying, we think you're just so much better than we are. We're just going to have to tweak things and try and be as defensive as possible. Oh, yeah. So we should be deluded then, should we? No, I'm no, but also you can it. argue, you can oh, argue we're as that good you, as you, you... We're as good as the current world champions. We are, we're, we are as good mm, as no. the current world champions and we should stick our chests out. Go on, do you know what? Let's go all out against them. Let's just go full on, full on attack, yeah? No, for playing full on attack doesn't, any ground. Mean, doesn't mean you go, you're going all out attack. It just means you think you've, you've clicked in as a formation you can you can create more space for the opposition to run into if you've got three at the back suddenly suddenly they they can see wide open spaces down the flanks and it i don't know i don't think it's an automatic choice and we've said this so many times on this podcast that we're not blessed with loads and loads of great center backs so don't don't plonk an extra one on try and try and balance your team so you're getting as many of the best players on it as possible. Even if it meant that your boy Trent comes in, Alison, as a attacking wing back, even oh, if start Tom. Come on. <laughs> but well, would, would, well South, Southgate would not do that. Well, he might just to, you know, keep keep you happy when you're listening he's listening to you whilst he sleeps as you just on the on. formation thing you know we did change for germany in the euros remember we did we did shift and that was a huge huge subject and that turned out to be the right decision that's all i'm going to say in terms of again mr defending gareth southgate he's made tweaks the whole way along but usa wasn't great but even tonight you know dropped rashford two goal hero played saka played foden both worked pretty well so i think even if he were to tweak, he, he, I think we, he deserves the kind of credit for having tweaked along the way so far and in the Euros and generally got it right. I also don't, just don't think it's a it's a clean-cut question about is Kyle Walker best placed to face Kylian Mbappe on the right of a back three that he would be on the right of a back four? Kylian Mbappe plays high and wide, I know, but then if you're in a back three and he's, he steps out and tries to face him, it leaves a big space. It's not straightforward like that. I think it's about, it might be about the kind of conversations we had at the start of the tournament where it's almost kind of changing shape within the formation. And maybe the Luke Shaw has to tuck in a little bit and someone else plays, someone else is covering Usman Dembele in the left. Who, that, you know, it may not be that. It may be that a mid, one of the midfielders sits, sits deeper. So you're, they're almost sometimes kind of getting close to Maguire and, and Stones. You know, I think it's a bit of a, more of a bigger picture thing because the French are so massively imbalanced. To, you know, Mbappe, everything dangerous goes down the right. Dembele's had dangerous games, but he tends to get the ball and kind of maze in field to try and find Mbappe. You're right in saying that it's about how do we stop Mbappe, but I'm not sure it's about about the formation stopping Mbappe. Uh, I want to say sort of the answer to that, Gregor, uh, until we talk about the French team, because I went to their game today and there were so many things to pick up on in terms of what I saw. But I do want to talk about the two things I mentioned earlier. 
which is a, a goal for Kane from open play and how important that is, but also three clean sheets for England in a row. And look, we all criticised Harry Maguire at some point over the last two years to see him bounce back in the way that Marcus Rashford has bounced back. Those two things are very important, Tom, for England. Absolutely. And I mean, you, I think you could add in a lesser kind of extreme Luke Shaw to that list. You know, you've got three players there that for Manchester United have had in varying different ways, pretty torrid times in the last few seasons, managerial changes, confidence been shot at various times. And yet they always seem to perform for England. Obviously, Southgate deserves a huge amount of credit for that. But the players themselves, I think Maguire, yes, there's lots of times. And yes, you can do the kind of gifts and the stupid memes of when he brings the ball out from the back and maybe overhits a pass. But he's still trying it. He's still putting himself out there and he's still playing pretty well, I think. There were a few times when passes went astray in the first half and a few times he looked like he might get turned. But generally, he's been pretty solid. And I think a player that seems to consistently perhaps go under the radar for England at these major tournaments, particularly the last last three, is John Stones, who, fine, our centre-backs aren't the strongest, but I think if you, again, to do the thing I was saying earlier and pretend we're not England fans and look at the England team, we'd all be going, God, this guy's a pretty classy centre-half, isn't he? Based purely on the last two World Cups and the Euros, John Stones has been one of the best centre-backs in every tournament so far and has looked pretty composed. And like the experienced elite-level Champions League centre-back that he is. And they deserve huge credit for that. And as I said earlier, Pickford hasn't had loads to do in the game so far. But when he was faced with a, you know, a good effort on goal from Senegal, he was there and he stopped it. And he's still being his usual gobby, loud self, so which is which is great to see as well. So yes, our defence isn't the strongest, but as you quite rightly say, Hugh, the clean sheets are a huge positive. Indeed, they are. And Kane on the score sheet is a very big thing for England, especially from open play, because we almost created him another goal, another couple of goals, in fact, in the game. And I just think it's important that we can get in behind defences and try and get the ball. You know, either cut back or put across the face a goal. I know the goal that was actually scored was a was a breakaway, but um, you know he hasn't been involved to the level that I think we would want him to be involved in front of the goal, with his face facing the goal, with his feet in the right direction, not applying uh, assists and chances for other people, or with his back to goal when we're playing from deep. You want to see a, a goal scorer of his quality in the right area. I just think. England won't have a chance in this tournament unless they can do that. Okay, so I think that was an important step. He was smiling at the end of the game. He was confident, and that's what you need a striker to be as well. So, yeah, I think that is a huge plus for England. I think Pickford today as well, as you mentioned, Tom, was an important one. So, yeah, I think, look, all around, a lot of positivity for England after that game. But it was Senegal. Okay, so let's just keep a lid on things because bigger tests are awaiting us in the shape of the world champions France I went to their game today against uh, Poland 3-1 I've got to say Poland got at them in long periods of this they were absolutely dominated Poland for the first 25 minutes or so they suddenly came into the game all was well and then Olivier Giroud's goal was a was a, a game-changing moment I think um, just on the stroke of halftime I think that took almost the wind out of the sails of, of the Polish but then of course Kylian Mbappe ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i've not seen a play i've seen Kylian mbappe in the flesh and i still haven't seen a player as good as Kylian mbappe was today in terms of his ability to glide with the ball at pace terrorizing matty cash at least at least matty cash got his shirt at the end of the game he, he leaves the world cup with a messy shirt and an mbappe shirt which isn't a bad haul 
but my word it was it was hard for him you know and he almost ran out of gas in that game i actually want to give him credit for just staying on the pitch to be perfectly honest we can start with mbappe there was a special day for olivier Giroud as well but i just think uh, look maybe it ties in with england stopping killing mbappe for me might be a rotational back five you might get trippier to play wing back but, but step into the midfield when you need to and leave carl walker in a almost in a back four you know that the, the fluid shapes if you like that graham potter spoke about we don't have a formation um i think england could do that and trippier could be the player but i also think i would i would almost drop saka which sounds ridiculous but i think foden is a creative force for england and i watched jules kunde today play right back and he's a center back and I think Rashford, the form that he's in, the physicality that Rashford has over someone like Foden, if he were on the left, I actually think that will be important because if we're going to get at France and if it is on the counter-attack, then I think Rashford would be our man. I know that sounds weird because Foden and Saka played well today, but horses for courses, um, which is by the by, I think, because I think the main focus will be on stopping Mbappe. And at the moment, he just looks unstoppable, really. Um, how's he not going to have a great game? He scored 16 goals in his last 14 internationals. I mean, he's on another level right now, Gregor. Come on. Tell me, what would you do? <laughs> Kick him hard. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> There's not much. I mean, we'll have this conversation. We'll have this whole conversation about how England could possibly set up or, you know, set up to try and stop this guy. The truth of the matter is he's unplayable at times. He is unplayable. Like, the speed with which he can chop down the line after like dumbing, like coming inside to look like he's going to shoot. You can't just let him shoot because he'll score. He did it. We saw him do it. And then if you go and make the block, he's cut down the line. You've just, you're just out of the game. There's no one can possibly keep up with that from his standstill. Not even Kyle Walker. Personally, like Kyle Walker is a good weapon. He is someone who's going to at least push him, push him close in, in a foot race. So you're, you're a step ahead of most other nations there from a start. But I think I honestly think it's about not kind of overly fixating on that and thinking about how you're going to go and score goals against France. I don't think you can. I don't think you can completely change, alter the the shape of your team and um, just to stop Mbappe if that's going to shackle you in, in terms of going forward and scoring goals. Because I think England have have alighted on a, alighted upon a, a pretty good shape and balance, and particularly in midfield, and it's not what we expected. Um, and as I said, I don't think it's about putting an extra man in defence to cover Mbappe. I think it's about making sure that Walker's got the kind of the freedom to be able to go and close him down. And there's someone else, whether it's a midfielder, whether it's your next centre half. You know, they play with one centre forward in Giroud, so you're, you're going to be have a spare man there. Whether there's someone covering him, you, you know, you need someone able to cover Kyle Walker. That's that's like a given. But that doesn't mean you have to necessarily go to three at the back. So. You know, I don't think there's an answer in there. The first answer is you can't stop killing Mbappe. The I thought you said is, kick him. You said kick him. There was an answer. Yeah, that won't last long, though, will it? <laughs> I don't think we've had a booking yet. It'd be all right. Dish a few around. It'll be fine. Yes, it's true. It's true, yeah. Yeah, you can't stop him. You can't stop him. So I would. I think England have got to think about how they can go and break down a France team that are also not entirely convincing defensively. Yeah, I think that is the key, actually, Gregor, because I watched the front four and they are... They're having fun. I mean, they're really enjoying themselves. I mean, it was horrible to watch, but Antoine Griezmann, 
look like a school child skipping around a field, you know, putting a daisy chain together or something. I mean, he was just walking around the park, having so much fun, enjoying himself. Couple of flicks here, couple of touches there. We're in goal, brilliant. Oh, guys, it's great. I thought Usman Dembele, who again is a player who I, I thought been massively underwhelmed with in his the previous games that I've seen him. But even today, aside from really the final ball. I think he can he can do just about anything with the football on both feet. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Olivier Giroud never thought he'd be starting in this tournament, so he's just enjoying every single moment. Well, I'll be break Thierry Henry's record as you do, not a problem. Overhead kicks, he probably should have scored twice. I mean, I don't even know how he's doing it at 34 years old, but he, he should have scored two overhead kicks. One, I'm not sh really sure why it was disallowed, but the whistle did go before it hit the back of the net. Beautiful technique. The other one was a great save, um, and yeah. Of course, we've got Mbappe in there. So that's a big concern for the likes of Maguire and Stones, you know, Shaw and Walker. Doesn't matter how well they've played, Tom. That's true. I, I, you're probably going to accuse me of being um, Alison Rudd and all patriotic and puffing our chests out and we should win this, which, by the way, on this podcast for this tournament is the biggest U-turn since um, Liz Truss and the Tory government, given Alison's views at the start, if that's what we're accusing her of now. I would also just say the reason I keep coming on this podcast is to make sure we remind ourselves of the time Gregor said that Olivier Giroud was no better than a championship player. Um, Stand so by it. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you do because then there's no... He's talking about himself. When, he's talking about when he was in the championship. That's what he meant. There's no worries for Stones or Maguire in that case. But... To come back to Alison's very correct point about England have seeming like they've clicked, some I wanted to pick up on some of the players you mentioned there, Hugh, because we can easily flip some of the pros about those players on its head. Because Antoine Griezmann, yes, he's skipping around like a, a schoolboy loving his football again. But who has got the job of picking up Jude Bellingham's marauding runs in that France team if we go like for like and their two midfielders match our two midfielders? Griezmann has got the job of trying to track Bellingham and keep keep tabs on him. And we know Deschamps is nearly as pragmatic as Southgate, so he'll be doing that. Ousmane Dembele, yes, he's having a good tournament. Yes, he's looking much improved from the kind of lost player that's been at Barcelona for the last years. But who's going to be having to track Luke Shaw's overlapping runs from left-back, which he has been doing very well for England, not just at this tournament, but at the Euros, he did it very well as well. I'm not going full sod the lot of them, let's just go for it, focus on ourselves. But I'm merely saying that the French version of the game podcast will be talking about Jude Bellingham and how how Antoine Griezmann's going to have to, you know, up his game defensively to keep an eye on him. That's all I'm saying. I think one player as well is going to be important because if you watch, haven't watched France, is they threw a lot of crosses in the box. A lot of the time you've got, you're talking about both wingers getting to the byline and cutting it, cutting balls back. And I think Declan Rice is going to be important because he's likely to be the, the deepest lying midfielder. So he's going to be doing a lot of retreating and trying to kind of pick up intelligent spaces to try and intercept crosses or, you know, head them away. That's that kind of thing. I think he's going to be really important. Like I remember watching the Australia game and Aaron Moy, a number of times, he was in the right place to cut to intercept the cutback from Mbappe or Dembele. It was really important. Yes, they lost four <laughs> one, but but you know that I think that's going to be a really important uh, task for for Declan Rice. I think what's going to be really interesting is is the first half hour of the game, actually, because will France decide, let's let the underdogs, England, think that they can move forward. Let's, let's lull them into a false sense of security. I mean, when, when 
Holland let America play, it reminded me so much of the way France were with Iceland in 2016, where they just allowed the opposition to make all the mental and practical mistakes going by making them think they could play football. So I, But equally, England did a bit of that today against Senegal, allowed the underdog to think they could create chances, and then you wallop them because you're classier. But So if both teams decide it's not worth showing off too early, we could have the most, <laughs> we could have an incredibly boring cagey opening where it is all about ending up, it'll end up being which players work out the mood on the pitch and the patterns first and decide they know where to go for it. It's because that's the, I think that is the scariest thing about France is they do have periods where they look a little flat-footed, and not quite as good as you think they should be. And then in the blink of an eye, they pull something off that's, you know, a bit of Giroud brilliance or Mbappé pace or just something that's so quick thinking. You think, oh, my God, they are the best team in the world. But I don't know. I don't know who's going to... Basically, I don't know who's going to blink first in this one. And I don't know what Southgate's approach to the, the mind game should be because I think France are more than capable of doing very little for a long period of time. And will we, will we be sucked into that trap? Alison, I'll be honest, I think we should defend as deep as possible and play on the counter-attack. I don't think we need, we, we want to be thinking about outplaying France to any degree. I don't think we should even think that we're a better team. In fact, the message should be, we're not as good as them, how do we beat them? Like, and I know that sounds weird because everyone's seen us play well, but we've played well against far lesser nations. Like, I don't mean to be disrespectful. England have had a few games that they've played well in this World Cup. They played the United States. Some would argue they're a better team than Senegal. I wouldn't personally, but... And we bored the life out of the stadium. We couldn't create clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities. Iran, Wales... Senegal today, what standard of opposition have they been for a squad which has lots of very good players in England? France have as many, if not more, good players as England. Like, it isn't a game. Well, it's true, they do. All right, we haven't got an Mbappe. All right, you said Jude Bellingham was going to be our Mbappe, mate, so don't I, I didn't. Dare. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You're completely misquoting me. I said Jude Bellingham was our Wayne Rooney from this tournament in terms of his freedom and scaring the opposition. I'm merely right. pulling a face at your suggestion that England have beaten poor opposition. France squeaked past Denmark, one of the worst teams in the tournament, 2-1. And yes, their change team lost to Tunisia. They still lost to Tunisia. And yes, they beat Poland and it's pretty a bit of a procession. And I agree with Alison that they look sometimes completely average and then turn it on. But I'm just saying that it's we're overdoing the kind of England, you know, down downplay PR because I, I, I think France are brilliant in patches and Kylian Mbappe is probably the best player in the world. But so I'm I saying if we defend deep... And we play on the counter-attack, that's the best chance of us beating France. I think it's more than a chance if we play like that. that I actually agree with you in terms of the way we could play, but I think it's more than a chance. I think there's a, okay. a really good chance that we'll give them a really good game. But I don't think it will be a game that we will win if we take it to them. Even if we try and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Even if we play the 4-3-3 and say, do you know what, we're as good as you, we have as many good players as you, we should be confident win this game playing the way that we want to, I think that's naive, personally. I mean, I think we know that Southgate's not going to do that. We all know that. It's not, And it's not as simple as that. You're not going to just set out your stall and say, right, we're taking the game to them, that's it. 
and we're not going to have any periods where we're going to have to soak up pressure and sit deep. It's about no, managing, but it's about, it's about managing it's the about game. Approach. Yeah, but, but it's you, about don't have, you don't have approach. one approach. You don't have one approach. You go into a game, and like we say, there's been a change in midfield balance, which has been, which has been different. It's been something we didn't expect, and even that is a is a kind of there's a hint of pragmatism in that because he's got three midfielders who are all extremely a- aggressive, energetic, combative, all those kind of words, and they can run all run all over you. And he's kind of outsourcing the creativity to the to the wings. So, like, uh, there's not just one approach to a game, and I think that's that. I think that's been a big major strength for England. That's something that they found in this tournament, which is a, has has the makings of being a really good formula. Don't try and play like someone else. Try and be England. You've got some great attacking players, particularly wide players, and you've got a, a cracking engine room. Make the most of it. Okay, all right. We're going to discuss England against France, I'm sure, several times during this week as we approach the game. Um, But yes, it was a very positive night for England against Senegal. A great night for France, uh, who beat Poland as well. Three goals to one. A special mention, though, for Robert Lewandowski, who says goodbye, I think, probably to international football. Um, And his, his last touch of a ball at the World Cup was to put it in the back of the net and score a goal. Not sure it was a penalty, but... Well, it, uh, it, it nearly have... wasn't. Thank God, was it Upamecano <laughs> who was encroaching to get him, let him take another one? Do you imagine if your last touch at a World Cup had been the penalty before when he missed? I mean, that was absolutely yeah. abysmal, wasn't it? Delighted for the yeah. last. Seems like a seems like a good bloke, but you know that that the, the first penalty was would have been one of the worst penalties in a World Cup, <laughs> surely. Five players encroached. I think I don't want to pressurise Upamecano too much, and I think Lloris was about five yards off his line as well, and that's why it was retaken. I don't even think the the ref waited for VAR to tell him to to have it retaken. I haven't seen a ref have a penalty retaken based on their own eyes for years, to be perfectly honest. So, um, good spot, ref. Uh, terrible penalty, Robert. Thank God you put the second one in. That's what the stadium wanted. That consolation goal and that moment for you. But. Um, yeah, I think France were incredible today. Olivier Giroud getting that record. I was impressed by them. In the flesh, I was impressed by them. I, I, I do think you can get the centre-backs. I do think you can get the right-back. I hope England try and do that as much as possible. Um, the goalkeeper as well. But I think they'll, they maybe will look at our team and think that's where our weakness is as well, maybe. You know? So we will see. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The final point I wanted to make uh, after watching all of these um, first half, if you like, of last 16 games is the importance of the first goal which the underdog, if you like, in the ties has not got in any of them. Despite having, I think in all of them, the best early opportunities. So how important is the first goal? Alison, can you hear on It can't be that important because as Greg has reminded us, you know, the Aussies scored first against France and look where that got them. It's not. But in the knockout stages. It matters it mattered a hell of a lot in the USA game because they can't score more than one goal. And so if they were they, they were fighting a losing battle the minute they went behind and they, they would have known on some level that the game was lost because they weren't going to find enough goals to get them back in it. So it depends on the personality of the team and whether they're, they're set up to be leaky but score a lot of goals as well, in which case an early one means more. But no, it's it's... It can often, if the underdog scores first, it's all it takes is to wake up the beast of of the, the better team. I don't, I don't think it's terribly significant. Although I do want to know if the game podcast in Poland spent the entire entire time just talking about Lewandowski. I mean, what else do they have to talk about? <laughs> Matty you know, Cash, should... I suppose, is a cult figure, isn't he? <laughs> do you know what, though? They were they were interesting because I also saw their previous game against Argentina and they were absolutely dreadful. And the fact that they, for a period of this time, you thought, oh my God, Poland are going to get a result here against France. You know, they were the team on top in the ascendancy. Larice made a great save from Zielinski. Um, they, they applied pressure and they had a really interesting ploy, Gregor. Tell me about this. In their own half, they basically dropped off France and defended really deep. If their midfield was somehow found themselves, and their forward line obviously, found themselves in the French defensive half, they would suddenly start to press. It was like a, a, a weird system based on, well, it's not weird, but it was a system totally based on, if we can get out of the pitch, this is our plan. If we're defending which they were for a lot of the game. This is our plan. And suddenly it was like I was watching two different teams. As soon as they went over the halfway line, they were a totally different team. Higher intensity, pressing, as many balls into the box as they could get. They had nine shots in the first half. They had more shots in the first half than their three group games put together, which I just thought was an incredible change of approach. They played a 4-4-1-1 in the uh, couple of games that I'd seen them before that. And they were, I think, just awful in both of them. Suddenly you saw a 4-2-3-1, a totally different team. Yeah, I I actually think they just thought, look, it's the knockout stages. Let's go. Um, And I think more teams need to do that. They absolutely had a go. They were far more on the front foot than any other game we've seen in this this, uh, tournament so far. They could have did it at the start and then there was a period of about 25 minutes in, uh, in the second half, I think it was, that they were really on, you know, they had, did a, as you said, Lloris had pulled off a great a great save, well, it was straight arm, but it was, a, it was a good strike and he kind of did well to keep it out of the net, basically, although it was him, it was his kind of dodgy pass that, that kind of uh, led up to that moment. And yeah, I, you know, they could have, they, they could have kind of made it un, you know, difficult for France. I, I think as well, you know, you were quite harsh on, on cash, I think. I, I think he stuck at it. There was a couple of moments where there was one in the second half too, where 
Mbappe was calling for a foul. They kind of he really leaned into him and and then but came away with the ball. He did that once in the first half too. I think he he did as well as anyone could possibly have expected of him, to be honest. And yeah, I was just as I'm, I agree with you. I'm just pleased to see that they kind of had a bit of a bit more impetus than they had in, in previous games uh, in periods of this game. One thing I was just going back to your thing about the the first goal. My mind just immediately goes back to England against Italy in the final, the Euros. It's about what you do when you score that goal too. Sometimes you know you've got to know how to manage a game. You've got to know how to manage a game throughout the game, whatever the scoreline is, as long as you're not out of it. So. Of course, the first goal is always great to get, but what England have learned to their cost that you've got, you still got a lot to do after that. All right. Well, first goal doesn't matter. It's what you do once you get it. That counts. Okay, Gregor, thank you very much for that. Alison Rudd, um, Tom Clark, thank you very much as well. Interesting podcast, I have to say. Um, the butterflies are already going for Saturday. I feel in my heart of hearts this moment in time, it's going to be tough for England. It is. It's going to be tough. It's coming home. It's coming home. We're going to win it. You're not ending the podcast like that. It's coming home. Well, Tom, trusting Gareth. The whole podcast without saying it's coming home. Trusting Gareth. It's coming home. Yeah, I'm not. I don't like it's coming home either. But I'm not having the podcast ending with like I'm worried. I'm worried. Come on, we've won three nil. We're in the quarterfinals. We're going to win it. We don't understand. I was worried. But I was worried before every game. I am worried before every England game. Oh well, I'm here to reassure you, mate. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Do you know why I'm getting more worried? I think England are as good as pretty much anyone else in the tournament bar France and Brazil. Like, I really think that... Oh, I nearly get, thought you we, were going to say we're as good as anyone. If, if we get past France, we're gonna then win it's it. coming Great. home, Tom. It's coming Thank home. Thank you for okay? listening All to the game podcast. There you go. <laughs> Basically, Saturday's the final, okay? Whoever wins it is winning the World Cup. I truly believe that. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Loads of great stories and articles on the Times app right now. Download that wherever you get your apps from. Pick up a paper as well. But remember, uh, you can also subscribe to us. It's thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. You'll get that, of course, each and every week after the big weekend of football. Ah, What else do I need to say? Listen to us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.